Today we're going to pick up where we left off last Wednesday. Today's May 25th, and um, we're going to pick up with 21 of Galatians 4. So if you haven't already turned there, turn to Galatians chapter 4, verse 21. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons. Now, he actually had more than that. But at the point of what he's referring to here, he only had two sons. Does that make sense? So, if you, we're, we're going to go back tonight. We're going to read some of that, but we're gonna, we're, it'll have, we don't have time to go back and read all of that story, so we're trying to remember uh, how all of that played out. But you know that Abraham had no sons, and then... When you get to Genesis 16, he finally gets a son, but it's not the promised son. So he's got Ishmael through uh, a human-devised plan. And then you get over to 21, Genesis 21, and you finally get the son of promise. So at the point that he's talking, Paul is going back, talking about that story up, to the point of what, of what he's trying to make right here, he's only had two sons. But after Sarah dies, the miraculous healing of Abraham when he was 99 th- through circumcision, he was able to produce a child through Sarah. And not only that, but after being you know, he was well past 100 when Sarah passed away, and then he remarries and has other sons later on. So at this point, he's only got two, two sons, the one by a bondmaid and the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise, which things are an allegory. Now, he's just coming right out and telling you that it it was a picture of something that you need to know right now. That was a picture, and the reason it played out the way it did is we were going to need it. For these are the two covenants... The one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar, or that's just the New Testament way of saying Hagar. For this Agar, or Hagar, is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children." But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. So before I go any further, I'm going to read out of our Believer's Bible. Uh, Sometimes I read ahead in this, and other times I don't. 
I was reading out of my John Phillips commentary earlier this week and uh, have not gone through the Bible or the Believer's Bible commentary. Again, you can get one of these at Scripture Truth down in Fincastle. Uh, it's been just a little while since I've been down there. That was May 3rd. It's, here it is, what, May 25th? And it's been that long since I've been down there. I've been uh, wanting to go back. Um, but they, they had one left when I was down there. They'll sell out, then they'll order a whole other bunch of them. These are very popular. Believer's Bible Commentary uh, by William MacDonald. Mac Not MacDonald, but it's, it says MacDonald. Got to be... Uh, Precise here. All right. Uh, starting with 21. Law in this verse is used in two different senses. The first refers to law as a means of attaining holiness, and the second to the Old Testament books of the law, Genesis through Deuteronomy, particularly Genesis. Paul is saying, tell me, you who desire to obtain favor with God by law-keeping, do you not listen to the message of the book of the law? Do you remember what, what we said about that? He, he, he asked, um, tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? So he's talking about the actual... He, he explained it pretty good there, talking about trying to, trying to get holiness for yourself by keeping the law, but you also have, have it as a record that you can look back on, and it's in our Bibles. We need it. We need to look back on it. It's very important that we know. But, but do you really pay attention to what it's really saying? I hope that this past Sunday that... Uh, when we went to 2 Kings chapter 5, reading about Naaman the leper and reading about the little maid that you saw, it, it wasn't just a story of something that happened, but you saw the deep meaning of it. I hope you, I hope you saw that. I hope it's, it, 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 uh, the, the word came alive to you. All right, 22 and 23. The two sons were Ishmael and Isaac. The bondwoman was Hagar, and the free woman was Sarah. Ishmael was born as a result of Abraham's scheming intervention. Well, if we go back and we'll read that uh, here in a little bit. It, it seems like it was Sarah's idea, but Abraham went along with it. It's like... I don't know how... The Bible doesn't tell us that he argued or said, no, we need to think about this. It just Sarah says, here's my plan. There she is. I'll give her to you to be your wife so you can have a baby through her and it'll be born to me and we'll help God out. And, and Abraham looked over at Hagar and was like, okay. The Bible just basically shows us that he's like, all right, Sounds like a good idea to me. So Abraham's scheming intervention, 
Isaac, on the other hand, was given to Abraham by promise of God. All right, 24. Talking about it being an allegory. The story is symbolic. It has a deeper meaning than it at, at first appears. The real significance of the events is not expressly stated, but is implied. Thus, the true story of Isaac and Ishmael represents deep spiritual truth, which Paul now proceeds to explain. The two women represent two covenants, Hagar, the covenant of the law, and Sarah, the covenant of grace. The law was given at Mount Sinai. Strangely enough, the word Hagar in the Arabic language means rock, and the Arabs called Mount Sinai the rock. Okay. Well, uh, I was listening to the Unashamed podcast today, and they were talking about somebody being... Uh, there was a bunch of people who were baptized in the river, and one of them was a f- former law enforcement officer and Jace made a corny joke after he became born again and was baptized. Well, now he's a grace enforcement officer. <laughs> Just being silly. But he was a law enforcement officer before, but now that he's saved, now he's a grace enforcement officer. So they can be a little silly on there, but it has some truth to it. They're, they're going over the book of Colossians right now. One of my favorites. I love it. I love Colossians. And it made me jealous that they're in Colossians. Well, one day we'll be in Colossians. Maybe soon. We're getting really close to finishing up Galatians. So, 25. Talking about Hagar, or Agar is Mount Sinai. Talking about and being in bondage. The covenant given, to, given at Sinai produced slavery. Thus, Hagar, a slave girl, was a fitting type of the law. Hagar represents, represents Jerusalem, the capital of the Jewish nation. Now, all right, let me finish reading this because that's not making sense to me. And the center for the unsaved Israelites who were still seeking to obtain righteousness by keeping the law. These Together with their children, their followers are in bondage. For Paul in for Paul to link unbelieving Israelites with Hagar rather than with Sarah, with Ishmael rather than with Isaac was a stinging characterization. Mm-hmm. Twenty six. Not when it changes over the as far as the free the. The capital city of those who are justified by faith is the heavenly Jerusalem. It is the mother of all believers, both Jew and Gentile. So he's saying that if you, you know, Jerusalem does represent the the law because that was the uh, the capital of the nation of Israel. That was their holy city. But it's a picture of heavenly Jerusalem. And that's what we need to look to. And Sarah, by a miraculous birth, was able to bring in the son of promise so that we have 
grace represented. All right, I'm reading out of the Bible, verse 27. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Well, naturally speaking, worldly thinking, that's total opposite of what you would expect, right? But with God, all things are possible. When God spoke to Abraham and said, you are going to be a father of many, many of nations, the, the, your, your offspring will be like trying to count all the stars that are up in the sky or the sand on the seashore. When Abraham was first told that, and he went out bragging about how he was going to be the father of a great nation, he was an old man, his wife had never had a baby for him, and if he would have went out bragging about that, everybody looking at him would have thought, he's lost it. But what ended up becoming true, he in fact did become exactly what God said he was going to. So with God, all things are possible. This quotation from Isaiah 54.1 is a prediction that the children of the heavenly city will be more numerous than those of earthly Jerusalem. Sarah was the woman for who for so long was barren. Hagar was the woman who has a husband. In that way, we are to understand the eventual triumph of Sarah or the heavenly Jerusalem. The answer is that the children of promise include all those Gentiles as well as Jews who come to God by faith, many more than the children of Hagar who abide under the law. 28. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. True believers are born not of the will of man, nor of the will of the flesh, but of God. It is not natural descent that counts, but divine, miraculous birth by faith in the Lord Jesus. 29. But as then... He that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the Spirit, even so it is now. So if you remember, and of course we're going to go back and read some of that, uh, Ishmael, famous story of him mocking little Isaac. When Isaac was, was about to be uh, circumcised on the eighth day, and Abraham threw a big feast for him, and Ishmael was mocking him, persecuting him from the get-go. And that was 29, 29. Ishmael mocked Isaac, and it has always been true that those born of the flesh have persecuted those born of the Spirit. That is very true. We have... We're, we're, we are in a very sad state right now as far as this country is concerned. We have bad things that are happening. Really bad things are happening in this, in this country. And we have people who are, have been elected by 
the people of their states to represent them in the House of Representatives and the Senate. And these people who are supposed to be representing, they are showing off their atheism. They're, they're showing off that they have no faith whatsoever in God, and they would use terrible language in describing prayers. And it just so happens that every single one of them that do it, that, that's, I'm, I'm thinking about different states and different representatives. These are elected officials that have called out people who are believers and used profanity in, on, a, on a stage that everybody can hear it, whether through social media or write out loud to be on the news, and they're saying these things, and every one of them are from one party. Just, just take note of all the ones that say the things they're saying that are against religion and using terrible language in describing what they want to get across, and they're all from one particular party. I'll let you, I'll let you figure that out. So yeah, people who are born of the flesh have persecuted those who are born of the Spirit. It's been that way for a really long time, and it's still the same way today. Consider the sufferings of our Lord and of the Apostle Paul at the hands of unsaved men. It may seem to us a trivial offense that Ishmael should mock Isaac, but Scripture records it, and Paul sees in it a principle that still abides, the enmity between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh fights against the spirit. That, that's why we, we, we've been going through uh, Romans in Sunday school on Sunday mornings. And we have gone through that in detail. We've talked about how the flesh wars against the spirit and how we have to be believers that have faith that what God says is true regardless of what we see in ourselves. We see that we're still in a body of flesh. That's what we see. But, but God says when we believe on Jesus and we're buried with Him, we died with Him, we went in the grave with Him, and when He was raised up, we were raised up, God is telling us that when we believe on Him, that that experience becomes our experience. And it's a matter of believing it or not. Because if you only look at that through your human mind, you're going to say, well, that never really happened to me. That means you're not saved. If you don't believe that that is what has happened to you, you're an unsaved person. You must believe it that you have been raised up to walk in newness of life, that you are a new creature in Christ. You know, remember, uh, Naaman went down into the river. He dipped himself seven times, and not only was he... You know, God doesn't fix your flesh. He gives you a brand... You're new. You're all new. The old man is crucified. When you go down into that river and, and you, you go in... If, 
That's your death. Now, you can touch and feel and pinch yourself and say, yeah, I think I'm still alive. You've got to believe what, what God has said about the whole situation. That's what makes you different than everybody else. Are you a new creature or not? And you will never have victory in your Christian walk if you don't have a childlike faith and believe what God says. 30. Nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Let the Galatian then appeal to Scripture, and they will hear this verdict. Law and grace cannot be mixed. It is impossible to inherit God's blessings on the basis of human merit or fleshly effort. 31. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Those who have trusted Christ have no connection with the law as a means of obtaining divine favor. They are children of the free woman, and they follow the social condition of their mother. So that's uh, the Believer's Bible Commentary. And so now, let's go back to Genesis. You turn to 16, and we're going to, I don't know if I'll read all of it, uh, all of uh, 16, but that's just basically the story of Ishmael being born. So 16 is a really good place. Again, y'all may have already uh, looked back at this. I've made reference to it several times as far as you know, getting familiar with the story so you would understand what Paul is talking about in Galatians when he starts talking about the bondwoman and the free woman. So in 16, it's only, I think it's only 16 verses in 16. Yeah. So it's just the story of the birth of Ishmael. Now, Sarah, see, Sarah's name is Sarai, and Abraham's name is Abram. And this is right at that point where it changes. Probably the next chapter, it'll change over. Um if I'm remembering right. The, now Sarai, or Sarah, Abr, Abraham, or Ab, Abram, Abraham's uh, is his new name, but here it's their old names because we're right at that transition. So Abram's wife bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing, I pray thee, Go in unto my maid, it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Now, yeah, he just said, okay. Well, they both have been, become impatient. They heard the promise. They believed the promise. It's just that they weren't willing to wait for God's timing. You know, God's timing is always perfect. To us, it seems like he's late. And we as humans, we have to arrive early. <laughs> yeah, because there's so many things that can get in our way. 
If we want to be somewhere at a certain time, you, you, if it's really, really important to you, you're going to get there early. Well, God doesn't have to worry about anything getting in His way. If He wants to be there at a certain time, He'll get there right at that time. Nothing's going to hold Him up. He's never early. He's never late. But they got impatient, and they decided to help God out. And we need to know this story because we do the same thing. We always are wanting to help God out. We want things to get done, and that's great to have that. It's wonderful to have that kind of personality where you want to get things done. But when it comes to spiritual issues, watch out. You can get yourself in a big bunch of trouble if you're not patient and wait on God. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. Now, this, this was a thing. If you, you know, in the, in the uh, Jewish way of doing things, if a woman was barren, this is something that was legal for them to do. This is part of their culture. You can take a slave, you know, a, a handmaid like this. You can, you can have the husband marry her as well. And if the ba- when the baby was ready to be born, you would, uh, if the baby was born and laid on your lap, then it was legally your child, like having a surrogate mother. That's just their, their, their custom. They have, some, they have some weird customs that we don't follow today. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Now this is Hagar realizing that she has conceived. Now her mistress is Sarah, Sarai back then, and she despised her. So she uh, was basically saying, ha, 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 you're barren. You couldn't bring your husband a child, but I am. I'm better than you. He probably likes me more than you now. And he, she's really just rubbing it in. She did not handle the situation like she should have. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. She realized she made a mistake. But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dwelt dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. And the angel of the Lord found her by a mountain, I mean a fountain of water in the wilderness by the fountain in the way of Shur. Now, later on, she's going to run away again. Actually, she's not going to run away. She's forced away. This time, she runs away because she's being dealt with so so, uh, harshly. Well, She's by a fountain of water. Later on, when she gets forced to go away, she's out in the wilderness. She can't find water. But yet, she's right there next to it. Might even be in the same place. But she doesn't see it. Here, that's where where, uh, God finds her. And the angel of the Lord... um, I'm down in 9 now. 
And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. So she was fleeing it, and he's, he, God reassures. I think this is Jesus you know, coming down. He, when you see angel of the Lord, this is uh, Jesus showing up, and he's gone to her, and he's told her, Look, I know what's going on. I'm going to bless. You, got, you have a son coming, and I'm going to... Be with him. You'll call his name Ishmael because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. That's at the end of 11. And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Well, that's the Arab nation today. That, that is uh, one of Israel's enemies today. They have a lot of enemies and Ishmael was one of the worst. Ishmael mocked Isaac when Isaac was a little baby. Ishmael is still mocking Isaac today. Be careful about rushing things for the Lord. It might be a burden on you for many, many years, and not just you, but your grandchildren and great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren. Be careful. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. For she said, I have also here looked after him that seeth me. So she named the place. Uh, she, had, she, she ended up having uh, Ishmael. Uh, they named him Ishmael. And Abraham was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. So, what's that? 86 years old. 86. Four score. That's four times 20. And then six. Now in uh, 17, this is where God makes a covenant with Abram. Now, he's, 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 up, he's up to 99 now in 17. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's 86 in six, at the end of 16, and in 17, he's 99. A little gap there, right? That's okay. We've gone over gaps, and we, we were okay with having some gaps in the Bible. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, 99, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect or complete. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Well, he's got a boy that is 13 now. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just doing some quick math in my head. That was just dangerous to do. So he's, 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 if he's 99, he's 13. Is that right? All right. So, neither shall thy name anymore be called Abram. Oh, this, I, I love this verse. Well, now I can start saying Abraham again. But thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant 
to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a, art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now, from, from 9 to 14, he's talking about the, the sign of the covenant is going to be circumcision. And the circumcision was something... See, by the time he's 99... It, it's in another place. It will talk about how God waited till even Abraham could not go through another uh, method like using a Hagar. He waited till even Abraham's flesh was dead, where Abraham himself couldn't even do the the part of of having a baby. He wasn't able. So they God operates on him, basically. Tells him, look, this is what you do. I don't know how he convinced, how Abraham was able to convince, because he takes, he takes Ishmael, he takes all the men of his household, whether they were bought or not. So all ages, he's 99, and he said, all right, this is what God told me, and I need some Flintstone, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to do this circumcision thing. I don't know how he convinced everybody to do it. So it's pretty amazing, this whole story about circumcision. And they all did it. And if they didn't do it, they would be cast out. They'd be sent away. And God said one year from this act of circumcision, you will get your promised son. Well, it would take three months for a man to recover from circumcision. And then the pregnancy is nine months. Isaac was born a year later. And God said that's what would happen. So Abraham is 100 years old. He's, he has the promised son. And like I said earlier, this circumcision, in, in De- if you go to Deuteronomy, talk, it talks about the circumcision of your heart. This flesh that is over top of the Spirit is a hindrance to producing life, to producing fruit with God. And when you're, you are, the old man is crucified, again, if you go and ask God to fix your flesh, he'll just laugh and say, sorry, I'm not in that business. I kill flesh. I don't fix it. And that picture of circumcision is getting rid of the flesh, casting it aside so that you can produce fruit. And that's exactly what happened with Abraham on a physical sense of having the promised son. We are to see that picture and to realize that the circumcision of the heart has to happen to us. And when we believe the old man is crucified, that's your flesh being violently cut away and thrown thrown to the side, and now you're a new creature. You're able to produce fruit with God. Remember, Ishmael was circumcised as well. Ishmael was the same day Abraham was. Well, over 25 answers my question. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old. 
when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. In the selfsame day was Abraham circumcised and Ishmael his son. And all the men of his house, born in the house, and, and bought with money of the, of the stranger, were circumcised with him. So now if you go over to 21, chapter 21 of Genesis, and we're going to read through 21. That's interesting. 16, it's 1 through 16, and we're only going to read 1 through 21 of 21. And that's the end of the story, and then we'll be done. So, uh, the birth of Isaac, that's what 21's about. And the Lord visited Sarah as, as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God has spoken to him. Now, what I was getting ready to say a minute ago, and I, and I got myself... Uh, on something else, the circumcision was so effective. Not only was he able to bear his son through Sarah, but after Sarah dies, remember I was saying earlier, he ends up marrying again. I think her name was Keturah, and she had he he was still having babies. So after Sarah died, that was when Isaac was had gotten pretty old. Because Isaac didn't get married till he was like 40. And she dies right about that time, right before he gets married to Rebecca. So think about how old Abraham was. And he's still having sons. That's how effective that circumcision thing was for him to produce. Okay, uh, three. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son, Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck for I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. Aha, that's when they did the feast thing. It's not when he was circumcised, but when he was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. So you're looking at about probably a year old or so. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which had been... which which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore, she said unto Abraham, Cast out. Here's, here's the saying that we just read over in Galatians. This is what Paul is referring to when he's speaking to the Galatians. He, he's reading, or he's, he's speaking from this right here. She's, this is what Sarah said to Abraham. Cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. See, he loved Ishmael. He didn't want, he didn't want to uh, get rid of him. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. And all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. 
as hard as it is to get rid of the precious, beautiful law of God. It's so, such a great thing. He said, it's got to go. It has to go. If you are going to be a born-again child of God, you can't get there through the law. The law has done its job, it's pointed you in the right direction, and it has taken you to the promised son. So get rid of it. Yeah, I know Abraham, I know this is tough. This is hard for you. It's hard to understand, but this is the way it's got to be. And also, of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water was spent in the bottle, and she cast the child under one of the shrubs, and she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were a bowshot. For she said, Let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lift up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and, and hold him in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. And God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. And he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took him a wife out of the land of Egypt. So the, the bondwoman and her son had to be cast out. So I hope what you have learned so far in Galatians is that grace and law cannot be mixed, and it's an easy sell for people to get caught up in trying to be law keepers. It is part of our Bible, but it's part of our Bible for a reason, that we can see all this stuff play out so that we can see that Jesus is coming one day to free us from that bondage. When we go out and do the Great Commission, we use all this to help people understand, to get people turned in the right direction. It's all, all of the Bible is important. All of the Old Testament points to Jesus. You can't get saved by the shadow. The types in the pictures won't save you. But they do point you to Him. And when you find Him, that's where true salvation is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for Your Word. And Father, we thank You for the Holy Spirit that helps us to see the meaning of Your Word, to help us to get it into our minds and our hearts, so that we can do the things that you've called us to do. And Father, give us courage to speak your word to those who need to hear it and introduce your Son to those who need salvation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.